0: You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T REMNANT to get 10% off your semester. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the wonderful world of REMNANT Radio. In this program, we've got uh, our friend Corey uh, from over at Smart. Christian's uh, podcast, the YouTube channel. You guys need to go check that out. But we're going to dive into some areas of agreement and disagreement and have brotherly uh, Christian conversations. It's going to be a great program. You guys stay tuned. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a show where we tackle history, theology, and the gifts of the Spirit. My name is Joshua Lewis. I'm the pastor of King's Fellowship in Ada, Oklahoma. Together with my friends Michael Miller at Reclamation Church Denver and Michael Roundtree at Bridgeway Church OKC, we set aside time every week to discuss the gifts of the Spirit. Things like, how should we pray for the sick, and how do we interpret tongues, and should we believe all the prophetic words for the new year? you're looking for a charismatic podcast with practitioners who are actually doing the stuff this is the show for you well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this program today. We are diving deep into the subjects. I would assume mostly in the charismatic theology space. As we're hanging out with our brother Corey uh, from another friendly YouTube channel that we, uh, man, we have loved interacting with. And Corey's come on to discuss uh, some of his beliefs uh, here on our channel, and we're going to kind of engage back and forth. There may be some, and I would imagine a good bit of disagreement, and just kind of walking that out. And hopefully, uh, in this discussion, we will have truth out. You know, we'll, we'll discuss, man, what is the Bible say? How do people come to the interpretations that they do on uh, the scriptures themselves? You'll hear both sides and hopefully uh, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into truth. And that's the hope of this discussion. But in the midst of that, we also want to display what Christian charity and hospitality looks like as we engage with people that we disagree with. So we're super excited to have Corey with us on the program today. But before we dive in, I want to remind you that Remnant Radio comes out with content like this every Monday and Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So if you want to stay up to date on everything we're doing, make sure to like and subscribe to the video but if you want to have updates on like conferences and conference discounts and and courses that we're developing that are going live patreon deals that are going on you need to make sure that you subscribe to the newsletter you can do that in the description of this video without further ado i want to introduce you to my partners in crime this is michael roundtree the once fuzzy but now crystal clear in focus michael roundtree how are you doing there and i, Oklahoma, I thought that was
1: gonna i thought that was a beard comment but uh, no you're talking about my camera there's, there's not fuzzy. enough of a you beard guys... to make fun of it <laughs> I, I'm gonna hurt you. so <laughs> funny enough in the chat they're talking about who's gonna uh, who's gonna take a dig at the other co-host first <laughs> and, um, and so it looks like I, I was the first one to be the recipient of that but uh, you know with the with our actually before we get to Corey, uh so josh you punted it over to me i'll put it over to miller miller let me ask you before we introduce our guest why are you excited about this show
2: oh um well i'm always thankful when we have somebody who shows a little bit of charity in the way they talk about their disagreements with us you know for me it, it creates fun and engaging conversation and the fact is if you ever want to be Uh, more certain about what you believe, you actually need to interact with people that have strong arguments against what you believe. And so I'm looking forward to that kind of conversation. And I think he's, uh, Corey seems very charitable and kind in his interaction so far. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I think the Remnant Radio, the reason that me and Michael hit it off so well, me and Miller in, in particular, was that we gathered together on our disagreements and we just turned the cameras on and started recording uh, as we would disagree with each other. And that was like the exciting part of what we were doing. So uh, this is just again, another way to do that. So Corey, maybe just maybe you can be the fourth partner in Remnant Radio if you disagree well with us. Uh, no, I'm not making any officials offers now, but uh, Corey, tell us a little about yourself and your ministry before we dive into our conversation today.
3: Well, uh, my name is Corey Minor. Uh, I am Sheree's husband. I, I lead a uh, a group called Smart Christians. We, people don't get to see a lot of what we do off of here, but the whole point, the whole focus of what we do is to uh, inspire people to just go into the scriptures, uh, to learn it as our motto is, uh, love it. Le- I'm sorry, learn it, love it, live it. Uh, and so what we do is try to get the word out, try to get Bibles to people who need Bibles, uh, study materials, people in prison and so forth. Uh, as a matter of fact, on that note, I've had a I've had a kind of a up and down kind of a wild roller coaster sort of a life. Uh, it's been rough in some places, but I would not change it for the world because of what it's taught me. Even my uh, my time visiting the United States, some of the United States more Um, beautiful penal institutions. Uh, And in that, it just kind of brought me down more to uh, a faith and focus in Christ. And so even coming out, uh, I I still want to do the exact same thing I did before, even while I was in prison, even more so now. And so uh, just doing this and meeting people and dialoguing people, I I think that is, I don't don't think there's anything better a person could ever ask for.
1: Okay, well, uh, so we maybe should explain even why we wanted to have you on the show. Uh, somebody had shared with me, and it was live while you were doing it, probably like six months ago now, but you were doing a broadcast responding to us as mm-hmm. we were commenting on John MacArthur. And of course, John MacArthur is very anti charismatic, mm-hmm. uh, anti gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we were responding to some things John MacArthur said, which is kind of funny because it was like things MacArthur said, like, 20 years ago we're like, we're we're digging Radio, it yesterday's
0: news today <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah we're digging it up and so we responded and mm-hmm. then uh man people is interesting there's a lot of people picked this up uh uh who else was at the uh, california ruslan, ruslan. ruslan picked ruslan. up on this and a few people mm-hmm. and we saw your channel and uh corey you had some disagreements with us you had some agreements with us some agreements and disagreements with john MacArthur. Uh, mm-hmm. I was impressed by just your, your charitableness uh, and p- appreciate that, as Miller said. But just so our viewers know, that's that's really what led uh, to this interview to start with. So uh, so maybe we can just kick it off in the realm of get, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Corey, just mm-hmm. kind of generally introduce us to, to where you stand. Continuationist, you believe they continue. Cessationists, you believe certain ones like the sign gifts, so-called ended prophecy healing miracles etc do you have some sort of modified middle place there could you kind of just help our viewers understand where you stand on the gifts of the spirit
3: yeah i um i started off actually in the in the charismatic uh in the charismatic church uh i am i, I call myself a i'm not a cessationist uh i call myself a biblical continuationist and that's that for some people for, uh in, in, in all practicality, it, it, it works out in some cases as a cessationist. However, I do not believe and I, I don't I don't go with uh, the cessationist to say that or to believe that gifts have ceased. Uh, and even talking to some cessations, I said we don't even have to. Uh, I think the issue is it's almost like a I don't know if you guys watch football, but if a kicker misses a field goal to the right, he may overcompensate and, and kick it to the left. And I think sometimes we see some of the egregious acts that happen. And what do we end up doing? It's a well, nope, nope, can't do that. So no gifts. And then we end up making statements that just aren't found in the Bible. And my pushback, as a matter of fact, um, some of the guys that watch the channel will know this, that some of my sharpest criticism isn't even for the charismatic. And I do have some for some people that are just, just overly overtly egregious. But uh, I think the issue is whether you are charismatic or not, whether you are Calvinist, whether you're Armenian, what have you uh continuation sensationist, does that matter. I think the issue has got to be with how we read the scriptures. And if we're going to say that this person over here, if, if, if I'm, if someone's going to say that these charismatics are adding to the text, that's not what the text says. Well, you have to be, the, you have to be, um, you have to be even. And I think that some continue um, cessationists will do the same thing because I don't find a text that says that gifts have ceased. And so I don't think, and, and I was having a conversation, I won't say the person who it is, but a well-known person who's a cessationist. And I said, we don't have to have that that disagreement. All we've got to do is just hold people to a biblical standard. And so for that reason, I call myself a biblical continuationist. That is, I'm open to uh, to gifts, whatever the gift is. If it's if it's prophecy, if it's healing, if it's tongues, if you have the gift of tongues, well, will dog on it tongues away. If you if you have the gift of healing, well then heal away. Obviously, it's not that it's not that simple. Uh, I believe that however the spirit moves on you, then that's how the spirit moves on you. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where anyone asks for a certain gift, and that gift was given to them um continuously. It's just uh, as a matter of fact, the interesting thing about spiritual gifts if you just to go just go and look at the word spiritual gifts and just, just do a little quick little search, you're going to really only find a few times in the Bible where that phrase comes up in the English, but then in the Greek, it only comes up really, actually, really technically none, but really once where the word is actually used. Uh, and that's in Romans uh, 11, I believe. Uh, but even in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, often you'll see this word pneumaticum, which is the things of the spirit of the spiritual. And so I think what what uh, the writer of, of what Luke is saying, uh, as Peter is speaking in Luke in, in Acts 2:38 when he says that repent be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the word the gift for there that word is a different word for gift uh, but that seems to equate to receive that which is the Holy Spirit so the gift is the Holy Spirit and so I think that how we ought to view spiritual gifts is view the spirit uh, you, it's not that you want spiritual gifts I think what we've done really kind of a disservice to the scriptures is in First Corinthians 14, we'll say pursue spiritual gifts and the Bible doesn't say pursue spiritual gifts. It says pursue love, uh, but then desire. And some will say, well, isn't that kind of the same thing? No, it's not because what we have now are people who actually are pursuing spiritual gifts and, to, and, and the main part is the problem is they're, they're pursuing certain spiritual gifts. Well, if a person is a believer the identifying mark of all believers is the holy spirit and so if you have the holy spirit desire love so that however he wants to move in you he will by the way i can't find a, a passage or an example where a person one or the holy spirit wanted to come over someone and he did not now maybe it did happen the bible just doesn't indicate but i think that a person who is submitted to the lord and doing their very best to become closer to them they're reading they're praying so forth fasting and so forth um the closer you get with him the better uh, you can be moved by him and so however he wants to move. And if that shows up in some sort of land and I believe and I believe I'm 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 of the opinion that tongues are a language. So if it's gonna be some sort of language, it's gonna be healing, it's gonna be uh you name it, however he wants to move or the gifts that we never talk about, such as love, such as um, you know, reading and understanding and teaching and so forth, the gifts that in all practicality we use more than anything else. And so that's what I that's how I look at spiritual gifts. The what they are and the, and what they're for. And in my beginning in the church, I saw a lot of abuses Now th- those weren't the reasons that kind of moved me away from being a typical continuationist. Um, because again, I don't, I don't see where the text says that certain gifts have, have ceased. I don't make a differentiation between any gifts. Uh, I don't think there are, there are the, the sign gifts or, in I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I don't think you need to do that. I think that if a person says that they have this gift, well, then what do we do? We judge them by the text. And if what you do doesn't look like the text, if it's not biblical, well, then you, my friend, are doing it in error. Doesn't mean that you get kicked out of the club, but it just means that uh, what you're doing is wrong. And so I don't think you have to even be a cessationist. Just go by the text and hold them, whoever it is, cessationists or continuations, hold them to the text.
0: Man, I think that's super helpful and, and healthy. Uh, you know, I think hopefully all charismatics, all continuationists, it might be a, a better term for this discussion because charismatic uh, can sometimes conjure images of uh, some white haired man slapping you with a sports coat. Uh, so when we're talking about continuationists, those who believe the gifts have continued, <laughs> hopefully the goal always is to make sure that we're going back to the text and holding our feet to what does this text say? Okay, if tongues is a thing and it should always be done with an interpretation, if unbelievers are present, and you're getting up on Sunday and saying, let's all speak in tongues, and there's unbelievers present, you're doing it wrong. And I like that. Hey, the Bible is our guide. The Bible is our authority. It's the norming of all of these practices. I think that's uh, helpful. Before maybe we even dive in more to that disagreement piece, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about deliverance ministry? We did the kind of broader charismatic subject. I think one of the other things that you talk on in your channel uh, that we might have some disagreement on uh, is on that of deliverance ministry. In particular, when it relates to believers being oppressed by demonic activity. Could you maybe uh, unpack your belief system on that before uh, we start maybe like diving into some of the finer details?
3: Okay. Um, I want people to understand, first of all, that I don't believe, or, or I'm not person that believes that there is no demonic activity. Here's what I believe. I believe that there are demons. I believe there is a devil. But I also believe just like there is a devil, there's a God, there's a Holy Spirit who resides in us. If you are a believer. And then on top of that, every Christian, what we people can argue as to whether we have uh, whether a Christian can have a demon. I don't believe so. Uh, But what we can't disagree with, what we can't argue, it's not debatable, is that does every Christian have an angel? Sometimes we forget about the angels, It's almost like we're so preoccupied and focused on demons. And so I believe that there's demonic activity. Even can a demonic can some some sort of, some sort of demonic activity or influence come in the presence of a Christian? Well, sure. I mean, like I said, I tell the guys all the time: just get on the highway wherever you live. There's going to be some demon in the car next next to you driving. Somebody at work, uh, someone across the street, someone in your family. Just because you can't have a demon. That mean that the person who's unsaved around you won't have one, because the devil still wants to thwart any and everything uh, about Christ. And certainly, the best way you can do it is through the Christians. And so, I believe that there is demonic activity about, but I also believe that there's angelic activity about. But even more to the point, I believe that there's a Holy Spirit that governs all of that. And so, what I think the Lord is trying to do is use us in this world so that we can shine, so other people who are not saved can see. For lack of a better way, how it's done. Now, I don't, I don't see any text uh, of any of any Christian having a demon. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things that I've all, always wondered, and I've asked people, how is it that we never see this issue brought up one prior to Christ? No one, no one had a demon cast out prior to Christ showing up in his incarnation. But then after uh, Acts nineteen, all of the people group, groups, and I, I even include uh john's disciples because there's a reason why that they needed to be shown that there is a holy spirit because they're out preaching they're the forerunners to christ and then here they are they finally understand that what they're preaching about what they heard about has happened and now they receive the holy spirit and after that we see no more mention of demons well the question then is if this is such an issue and i think that this issue of demonization being possessed oppressed whichever terminology you want to use i think this is going to be one of the bigger issues going forward uh I think that it, to me, it kind of speaks uh, of a lack of uh, faith or maybe faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're called overcomers. We're called those uh, who we have victory because of our faith. Uh, Does it mean that he won't come around? No, he's going to come around. And so I've always stated, and and I've even asked, I used to have this point, and I still do. I'm open to anyone who is in the, um, the, the deliverance ministries to come with me. Uh, I've had occasions to deal with people who they said they had demons. One of the stories I I, I tell because it's a vivid, it's it's a vivid story. There's been other people that have had some sort of demonic presence or influence in their lives. uh, But one in particular, you know, being in prison, you're going to find a lot of people that have demonic issues. And so I've always asked, hey, y'all, if you guys have this power, stop doing this thing in church. Stop casting out demons out of Christian and start going, if you have this power, because they say they do. If you're going to tell everyone that you have this power to cast demons out, well, go to where it's needed. Go to the abortion clinics, go to the streets, go to the hood, go to the inner cities, go to these places where they need it. Go to these LGBT clubs, not in them, but outside. Go somewhere where you know there's demonic activity. I'll go with you. Uh, When I had this one gentleman who was, he was picking skin out of his face. Uh, He had just all these openings. He pulled all of his all of his hair out of his eyebrows, his eyelids, out of skin, off his cheek and forehead and face, and just asked him, hey, what's what's going on? He said, well, uh, I've got demons in me and I'm trying to get them out. Well, I I didn't question whether he had demons because he said he did and he looks like he does. And so uh, my response to him was, would you like to have some peace? And he said, man, that's what I'm trying to get. And so what did we do? We didn't we like we didn't lay hands on him. We didn't say anything over him except introduced him to the gospel and asked him did he understand it did he believe it did he believe what christ he said yeah i've been reading about it but you make it clear for me Said, yeah i believe that i said well all you have to do is place your faith in that you can say it how you want to and then as he places faith in christ the very next day you just see you see a total change he's now going to church uh you see his his face healing and so we've seen that over and over with people who were transgender people people who were uh, uh uh homosexual uh, guys in the Aryan Brotherhood who did want, not want to have anything to do with anybody black. That's something demonic. And them placing their faith in Christ, true deliverance, the, the Hebrew word for deliverance is uh, Yeshia, which is Yeshua. So Jesus is deliverance. And so we don't see Peter or Paul or Jude or John or anyone else speaking about this issue of demons. Ten times in the Bible, only ten times, because some people make it out to be that there's just an uh, abundance of people being are having demons cast out, and I've heard deliverance ministers say that it's the number one issue that Jesus did. No, it's not 10 times recorded in the Bible. Not to say that he only did it 10 times. I'm pretty sure he did it more, but he also did a whole lot of other things more and that were recorded. Why is that an issue? Well, because He, Peter did not bring it up. Paul doesn't bring it up. No one else brings it up, especially in a place like Corinth. You would think of all the places, one of those places that Paul would have said, you guys need to cast a demon out. And the one time we see some serious demonic activity in one Corinthians five, where the man is, is sleeping with his father's husband. I mean, father's wife. Paul didn't say cast the demon out of him. Paul said, cast him out, turn him over to the chief demon. And so the issue is, is Christ. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then you have been delivered completely, fully. No, you're going to have some problems. Maybe you got an attitude. Maybe you maybe you still have some issues with anger. Maybe you still have some issues with uh, struggling over here, over there. Uh, but you have been put on the road. You have been delivered spiritually, I mean, as far as spiritually, as far as salvation. And then wh- however God wants to do it, uh, for some reason, he, he He often leaves residue of the things that we struggle with in us. And I think the reason why is because people can look and see, hey, I've been struggling. Not This is not me, but I've been struggling with alcohol. It's still a struggle with me. But here's a guy who sees me walking and he can identify with me or this person who's struggling with their sexuality. Same thing. And so I don't see anywhere in the scriptures and paul makes a statement do not exceed what is written we have a problem with that don't exceed what is written and so it's not an argument from silence that we don't see it's an argument that the text doesn't offer as though god forgot to put that in in the text i don't see a reason to believe that a christian hasn't even we're so focused on what the the enemy is doing the devil's only brought up a few times in the scriptures there's a reason why we're it's he's not talked about often because as he says draw closer to god and then this other thing won't be an issue. Now, if you're not drawing closer to him, then everything is open to you, including some sort of demonic influence in your life or those around you. So, I don't see any text that that lends itself for us to say that a person can have a demon.
2: Okay, so I'm gonna I want to come back to the the demon thing first, but I want to mm-hmm. go back to an earlier statement that you made. You said that you are a continuationist. Um, obviously, you have some problems with typical charismatic things that you've seen but maybe this could help me just understand your own definition of gifts uh, when it comes to perhaps the gift of healing. Um, if Who do you know has the gift of healing and how would you know that they had that
3: gift? Well, this is what I, I, I've asked people this question and matter of fact, I'd be interested to hear you guys' response. Uh, what gift did Peter have or what gift did Paul have or Thaddeus or Bartholomew, we don't talk about them. But what gift did they have? Well, it doesn't mean they had a gift. What they had was the spirit and however he moved. Paul could not, nor could Peter or anyone else, command healing on demand. It's one of the things I, that I agree with you guys when people say that you ought to go clear out a hospital. Now, at the same time, if a person if a person has been shown that to be able to do that, I think people in the hospital will find them just like we saw in the Bible. But I, I, I don't think it's fair to say that a person... Uh, has healed someone that they ought to go clear the hospital out because again that's how this sp- it's as the spirit moves there were people that paul couldn't heal and so forth so uh but how the gifts work is however the spirit moves It's so it's never me when someone says for example you should want to speak in tongues well if i don't speak in tongues don't blame me blame god because it's his spirit that gives me utterance if i don't heal don't blame me blame god if i don't prophesy if i don't whatever in the spirit don't blame me blame god now if i do have that ability I should move in that. But I don't know that the person necessarily has the gift of healing, but if they do, if healing is coming through a particular person, then that healing is going to be definitive. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be complete. It's not a, well, take two of these, call me in the morning. And then in a month later, uh, we see some signs. No. Now, do I think also God can heal uh, through medicine and so forth and over the course of time? Sure. I, I, I definitely believe that. But in terms of the miraculous instantaneous healing that we see in the Bible, uh, if you're going to say you have it and you pronounce and I've seen it over and over again. Um, you're healed in the name of Jesus. And then next week, they're, they're still feeling the same thing. Uh, so I think when it, every time the Lord moves in the Bible, every time the spirit moves in the Bible, whether you were a believer or unbeliever, everyone knew something happened. Every I don't care if you were an enemy of Christ or a follower. Everyone knew something happened. There was not any doubt. Uh, the issue was who's going to get blame or who's going to take the credit for it or how are we going to spend this? But I see gifts being when God moves, he wants people to know he's not a shy teenage girl. He wants people to know when it's him and so that he gets glory, even if that's in the hospital, even if it's somebody dying, he wants to get glory. Even if it's someone um, suffering or if it's someone that's being encouraged, he wants to get glory. And certainly when the spirit moves, he wants to get glory. And so I can't. If a person says they they have the gift of healing, they lay hands on someone and the person's not healed, you don't have the gift of healing. Stop saying it.
0: Yeah. So we would say in the same, I think in the same breath, we we wouldn't. We, we might uh, quibble on like definitions and maybe language and delivery and saying, you know, I think, um, you know, friends of mine have a gift of healing. I would agree that that gift doesn't happen on command, but only in saying that they have that gift is saying that the Holy Spirit seems to frequent with them. So like mm-hmm. the Apostle Paul seemed to have a gift of healing, though it wasn't done on command. It seemed like the Lord used him frequently in that. Gifting, Um, so I might use a different language for that. As in, the New Testament seems to have people had a gift of healing that couldn't be done on command. So I think we're actually saying the same thing in practice, uh, but maybe in terminology, we might we might say it differently.
3: I would I would say this: if let's say I have been used um, to heal people. Now I don't. Again, I don't. I don't see any reason for for anyone to go around and say they have the gift but that's fine. Uh maybe maybe they could. But it's not that I would even intentionally go out seeking to heal someone. I I certainly wouldn't have a service on it. I wouldn't um if I'm not called, if I'm not led by the Lord to go and heal someone and I speak as though I can and I go and do it and they're not healed, uh well then that should be humbling enough. The first time that it doesn't happen, that should be humbling enough to say okay, wait a second. I Don't have it now. Does that mean that you're not that you're a false healer? I think it's different than prophecy. It mean means you're a false healer because I'm pretty sure that Paul or Peter, whomever else, had tried to heal people, uh, and it didn't work. But I think they learned, uh, through humility and just their connection with the Lord that I can't do this all the time. And so, for that reason, you don't see Paul or Peter or anyone else saying that they have this gift. This is but all I do have, I have the spirit. And as the Lord leads me, if I, I had this one instance. Uh, I, I think it's the only one that I know of in my life. And I don't know if it's, if it's me or not, but a buddy of mine claps on the, uh, on the basketball court and I just laid my hands on him and prayed. Uh, he was out for a while and he just, he just sat back up and he's like, what happened now? Do I think that I have the gift of healing? No. Um, do I, I don't know. Uh, has, has the Lord moved me to do so to, to lay hands or to pray over someone often? Uh, how many times has it worked where they got up or what have you, just that one time that I can think of. Uh, there may have been someone that I don't know of that may have been healed. But so what I do is, Lord, if it's your will and however you move me, and certainly if someone is in need, whether it's physical healing or anything else, I'm going to pray. And then however however God moves, however God moves. And so um, I would just, I, I'm always cautious of someone claiming. Now, if you, if you feel like you can claim it and you feel like that's you, hey, listen, Fine, be bold. Well, I mean, it sounds Wait, like you're pushing
0: wrong. against the, the, the word of faith, hyper charismatic dudes that I can heal on command. I got the gift of healing. Come to the yeah. evangel, you know, the, the healing evangelist or whatever. Like, it, it feels like you're pushing against that. And I actually like I'm, I'm I, I smell what you're stepping in. Like, I get it. Like, uh, if, mm. if people are walking around saying that they can heal on command, they should be able to empty out a hospital. Right. But like most charismatics aren't actually saying that uh, most of us actually well, I say I most of us. Well, I don't know if that's true. me as true, an example. But, true
2: most of you you know I, you give me you guys jokingly call me the foot apostle and uh, not a title I like uh, <laughs> but I've seen flat feet I've seen foot issues healed more times than I can count but I would also say not everybody I pray for gets healed um so I, I think the thing that's it's hard for me is by his definition or or saying that when the moment somebody claims to have a gift of x y and z well, they have to be able to do it every time. Otherwise, it should cause them to question it. And by that definition, then no one would ever have that gift. And so I guess the question is, for me, knowing that I see something with quite a bit of frequency, would that be enough for for someone to say I have a gift of healing or that particular kind of healing, even though I, by my own admission, don't see it 100%. I see it often, mm-hmm. uh, but not 100%. No,
3: maybe I wasn't clear. I, no, I'm not saying that it has to be – 100% of the time, because again, Paul didn't have it 100% of the time. Um, we've got people that he, whatever his, his issue was, if it was physical, he couldn't heal himself. What about Tim, Timothy or Trophimus? And so there were people that just didn't get healed and they were surrounded by apostles. So I'm not saying that it, it's hundred percent of the time. What I'm saying is if you recognize that that's something that's working in you, then it should be working in you. Now, the one thing that I would say, and this is, this is where um, the, the continuations community has to do a better job of policing itself is that I don't, I I don't go to anyone and ask them to show me any, any sort of proof. I don't, I I could, I I really could care less, but it's when you come to me or you put it before me, okay, well, fine, show me. Uh, And so if a person's going to say that they walk in that gift or they have this propensity, the Lord has been using them. um, And I, and I'm listen, I'm fine with the person having feet foot issues um, being healed—that's that's no less of a healing. That's no less it's of not, healing than anything else. But no, what it's I want to putting hands on feet. You know, I want to see um, the guy who 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 got up out of the chair, and we've got documentation. Not not that you have to—that there's always going to be documentation, but there are how many billions of phones and and cameras, sure. and and it's like, mm. my God, we can never see any of it. I want to. I, listen, I want to see it so I can glorify. I can I can give glory to God as well. Now I'm not I'm not against God healing. I'm not against God doing anything. As a matter of fact, I know He does. I know there's still miraculous things that happen. But mm-hmm. I, and I'm just using an example because it's the one one that came came to my head right now. When um what's the the, the Bethel person, the lady with the with the, the toes that grew back. Okay, surely there's pictures before and after, right? Uh, the person that was that was uh, as we say, show enough blind and now show enough can see. I want to, you know, just, just show us that there are cameras everywhere and we never catch it. Now, is that us being too uh too skeptical? I don't I don't know that we're being too skeptical because I think that these that these signs were shown so that people would have faith. Now, I also believe this. When I and you are when I look in the scriptures, I don't see very often Christians, believers being healed. Most often you're going to see unbelievers being healed. Most often you're going to see these gifts, these signs being poured out on unbelievers in order for them to believe. And I think that's that's the whole purpose of the gifts. Um, I think there's a reason why Mm -hmm. a lot of believers are kind of left in their position. And a lot of unbelievers are the ones that are receiving it because the goal isn't to to, to live better and great on this side, um, but to make it to make it to eternity and so uh, i'm not saying that it that it has to be done on command uh, and i know it's not going to be 100% of the time i don't know i don't know, know what a good percentage is i 40% mm-hmm. 20% 80% i don't know um, but i just know when it's done um, how it should look and everybody who's around should know it just like everyone in the bible who who saw a healing um, saw it and knew it and there was no doubt even the skeptics and so and again mm-hmm. if it's a healing i believe that once the healing is done, the healing is done.
1: Okay. Um, well, the fun part about having four of us on the show where we three take a turn and then and then you speak is uh, it's like 30 minutes between the last time I talked. So I have a lot to say. I apologize. <laughs> on side. Okay. Um, okay. So a couple of things since we're on healing, I'll stick with that because I have things on demonization too. We might go back to uh, healing. Uh, at Remnant Radio, we view that there are three valid views of the gift of healing one of them is that they are that there's the residential gift of healing and then the non-residential gift of healing so residential would be like hey michael miller or whoever just has this gift they just see healing often doesn't mean it's automatic they just see it more often and Mm um and so that's one of them then the uh, non-residential could be like this is, I would say this isn't my view, but a lot of people view it this way, where it's like, whenever God heals someone, like in that moment, a gift of healing is used, kind of like deposited for a person in a moment for a specific circumstance, but it's not residential in the person. Uh, and then another perspective is based on First Corinthians twelve, where it says gifts of healings um, that. It's strange that he uses a double plural, and we have to ask the question: Why does he use a double plural? And uh, one theory on this is that there are some who are Michael Miller apostles of flat feet. I, I'm being <laughs> <decision, laughs> right, serious. but also serious, um, right? But like <laughs> Max Lucato comes on our show, says, "Man, I don't know why. I pray for a lot of different things, but when I pray for infertility, a lot of people get healed." And we're like, "Well." pray over our show and uh and he prays and people start sending emails like hey i got pregnant after i watched your michael, show with
0: Luteno. michael roundtree got pregnant too uh,
1: <laughs> Keep going. I, I sorry too far there's too far <laughs> Go ahead, <keep> going. <laughs> uh i i feel like it anyway i'm just gonna keep going but um speaking of first Corinthians, so anyway so those three we consider those to be all valid perspectives but where Mm -hmm. we can all we can all agree Corey, is we believe that healing in any of those perspectives is not an on-demand thing and it's not even portrayed that way in scripture um another thing that i would say is you talked about like hey we see it more in scripture amongst unbelievers than believers uh because that's the real point of it is to get the gospel out there i would I, i maybe push back on that a little bit and say i think it depends on which book that we're reading of the bible If we're reading the book of Acts, it's going to be more for unbelievers because, you know, the apostles pray, Lord, stretch out your hand and heal, perform miraculous signs and wonders. It's power for witness. That's the whole purpose of the book Mm -hmm. of Acts. And so uh, and so Acts, we're going to see it a lot with uh, unbelievers, uh, but we see it a lot with uh, believers. I mean, for one, first Corinthians 12, the image of the body of Christ. These are to be done for the church to build itself up in love. James chapter five, believers are coming. Well, at least ostensibly, believers are coming before the elders of the church, um, the their elders, to be prayed for about healing. Um, and Galatians, he talks about the healings, the miracles performed amongst them because of their faith. And so I would say it probably depends on the context, but this does kind of push into one more issue you touched on. This was, I think, uh, maybe the biggest issue you touched on was like, why aren't we seeing more stuff like big stuff like bible stuff you charismatics and you weren't this accusational so don't take Mm -hmm. it this way but uh you know charismatics are like hey i think i was healed of my left pinky toe hangnail uh and you know where the pictures and that's also not that really a miracle right so like uh but basically it's not that impressive and so uh and so i think here's what we would say Probably to that, and Corey, you could feel free to respond to any of this. Um, one, I'd be I'd be curious if you've ever read something like uh, Doctor Craig Keener's two volume work on miracles. So he does document a lot of miracles all around the world. It's fantastic. He has a shorter book called Miracles Today, uh, won some awards. Um, so so there is stuff happening, um, but admittedly, I'm like okay, pastor in America, I don't see a lot of like Bible level quality, miracles and healings. I don't, I see some, I don't see tons. And, uh, and so I admit that. And, uh, and I, I think one of the things that I would say to that is you have periods in biblical history where there were more healings and miracles and revelations. And when there were less, for instance, first Samuel three, one, it says that visions were rare in those days. In context, he's talking about a judgment on the land. Uh, you know, that's where like Ichabod and the glory is It's all in that same similar context. Um, and so it, the author seems to be connecting lack of revelations, in that case, lack of prophets with uh, judgment on the land. Same idea in Psalm 74, where it's like, you know, where are our prophets, where are our visions and, you know, where are our wonders and miracles? It's all in the context of God's wrath being poured out. Living in America, objectively, if I believe Romans 1 is true, our land is under judgment. God has handed us over to sin. Read Romans 1. There's no other conclusion you can come to. And so... I, I don't think we should be surprised if in the West where we've cast God off to the side that we see less, uh, than maybe in some other places. So, uh, a few things to summarize, I gave, uh, three views of healing residential, non-residential, uh, and, uh, the, whatever you call gifts of healings. I gave those three perspectives. Uh, then I talked about healings amongst believers versus unbelievers and. Last of all, taught why aren't they uh, healings and miracles more obvious? So. There's my speech. I probably won't get to talk again the rest of the program. It's all yours, Corey. Well, listen, if I don't get
3: to speak to you again, well then Alicia's Michael. It's been wonderful talking to you.
0: So, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> We told him to say that when you were out. He goes, Who's Alicia? Yes. I was like, that's Michael's wife. And he goes, I'm Michael, gonna call him uh, Alicia's husband. <laughs> Alicia's husband. <laughs>
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna go as fast as I can. Um One thing that we have to be careful about doing, whether you're on the cessation side or the continuation side, is just kind of being stuck in your position. So if you're on the cessation side, uh, you reject If If you if you're not careful, you can reject everything and be skeptical of of everything. And so when there's a legitimate move, like, wow, okay, uh, God still does move. Uh, But then if you're on the on the continuation side, uh, you see everything as a miracle. The problem with looking for a sign is you're going to find one no matter what you're going to find. Mary in your oatmeal if you're looking for her and so you don't you, you, you want to make sure that you you know you have a balance and so um someone sent a video of a lady getting out a of a wheelchair i haven't i said well and hey, listen god is good i can't say one way or the other and someone had a kind of eh, that's not true well how do you know it's not true well why why couldn't it be true why why can't god do that uh so i can't i won't i won't say that and what that is is it's just people that get that get so entrenched in their position that nothing on the other side can be real Nothing on that side is, is, is biblical. Nothing on that side is biblical, right? And so that can, can become the problem. And so, uh, as re, as it relates, though, I think all spiritual gifts are for the building up of the body. Uh, there are several passages. Matter of fact, when we talk about that, the Bible seems to only indicate that that's what they're for. Even if we go to Jude twenty, I think that Jude is speaking of all plural and it's reflexive. So all of you guys build up each other. All of y'all build up all of y'all. But and and if there's any debate about that. Every other passage dealing with um, edification and so forth is, is outward. All the gifts are outward. First Peter, first, first Corinthians 10, even 12 and all. Of, and the theme of first Corinthians 14 is doing it to them. And so I think that has to be the issue. And the reason why I brought that up is because in James 5, um, when you brought about about building up the uh, about them praying and then first Corinthians 12 about edifying the body. I think also when you bring a new, an unbeliever to, and make them to be, I'm sorry, bring them to the body, that is building up the body. I think there's two ways the Bible wants us to build the body up, uh, this way and that way, uh, by numbers and by and by uh, uh, by growth spiritually. And so I think all of that is to be done to do, to do both ways. So for example, I wanna edify a person who's all my, the, the Lord is working in me, and it would cause me to edify a non-believer to become a believer or a believer to be stronger, to be encouraged and so forth. So I think it works both ways. And in James five, the healing in James five, I don't think that that is um, a physical healing. And the reason why I say that is because if it is, um, because he knows he, he uses a phrase. that's also in James five, 19. Uh, uh, what is it? Ain't toys, who which is among you. And so the question is why the among you, why not just the, any of you? And he makes a statement in James five that says that he, he, this will happen well all of us have been in at, at occasions where we pray for someone and it didn't happen but the language is that it will happen so i think he's speaking more of uh a spiritual uh because the word is also used in other passages uh and it can refer both ways physical healing uh of a sickness or of something emotional or spiritual but that being the case and what was your last point that's the one that i really wanted to get What was the, what was the last one
1: was it okay so uh, I had the three kinds, uh, three interpretations of healings. Uh, why are no the last one miracles more obvious? I can't remember which order I went in. Oh, well, oh, I oh, think oh is,
3: is, that's what it was about. About yeah. Being why are very... miracles awesomer? Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this. The, we wouldn't have an issue because if if the West is under judgment, well, then so too obviously the rest of the world is too. I think the entire world is. I think I think what we're seeing. Uh, is really what was spoken of in the Bible. I think what God said is true and it's happening. Uh, but if the West was under so much judgment, uh, the issue that we see are the same preachers, the same people that are claiming to have these gifts who happen also to reside in the West. And so if Bob Smith, the prophet, or, or, or Joe Bob, the healer, if they have this gift and they're in the West, well, then irrespective of, of whether there's judgment on the land, uh, there would still be their gifting. And so I don't, I, I can't, I, I wouldn't see that as, as a reason why. And again, um, faith here in America for some, it's waning for some, and I, I it's hard to tell nowadays who's an actual Christian. Everybody, everybody's a Christian or some sort of quasi Christian. Um, but the issue has still gotta be if America's under judgment, well, then they're the ones that are claiming to see all these miracles. Uh, I met, I met a guy who was from the Philippines was from Malaysia. I forget where he was from, but he talked about how, uh, when these people came over that they were now he. he was a, he was a little scam artist. He was in, he was in prison for like 30 years. Um, but he said, that was one of the things they would do. They would get paid to, to act it out, to pretend this way, to pretend that, that there was a healing. And so when they came in, they had like a little rotation of guys coming in. Now I'm not saying that's always the case, what have you, but I'm saying, um, God, if, if there's, there seems to be an increase of reported miracles. Obviously all of these, all of these reported miracles aren't true. But again, if you're going to come to tell me that this has happened, fine, fine. I may believe you. I may not believe you. What will definitely get me to believe you? Because listen, this can be knocked out with one fell swoop. Give me the video. Give me the picture. This happened. That happened. Um, I want to see the person who was dead here in America, because it's not as though that the Lord's um, present is any less powerful here in America, even in a place where there's judgment, because if there's judgment here, there's certainly judgment in Africa. There's certainly judgment in Europe and in Asia. So why are these places happening? Oh, by the way, they've got cell phones too. We, I just, if you're going to tell it to me now, if you don't tell me that I'm fine, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I won't, I won't deny it. But if you're going to keep saying this is happening and our issue is, isn't so much what's happening in Africa or Asia it's what's happening in these American churches.
0: Yeah, and I, I would I would point to like the Global Research Medical Institute that's documenting those kinds of miraculous occurrences. I would look to Keener's two volume works on miracles for people who are out there who are saying. And I'm sure Corey's familiar with all of these organizations. But if you're out there and you're going, man, I'd I'd love to see documentation as well. These are these are organizations that are attempting to do medical documentation on the front end and back end of prayer. So a lot of really interesting uh, information and data has been collected by the Global Research Medical Institute uh, and by um, uh, Dr. Craig Keener in his two volume works on miracles. I'd be, I'd be curious. I want to maybe shift just a little bit ever so slightly at the very beginning of the program. You mentioned something to the effect of, you know, not necessarily seeking a spiritual gift, not pursuing a spiritual gift. Um, I, I want to not, well, not one, not put words in your mouth. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to this. But you had said, you know, we're told to pursue love, but only to desire spiritual gifts. Now, if I understand 1 Corinthians correctly, 1 Corinthians 14, in particular, he tells women, like, if you desire to learn, the the natural byproduct of that is to go home and ask your husband. Um, That's in 1 Corinthians 14 as well. So the the connection between desire and then what do you do with that desire, right? 1 Corinthians 14 is like, all this should be done by love. You shouldn't be trying to uh, perform Uh, miracles and healings to show that you're super spiritual. You're not supposed to speak in tongues where people can't hear you uh, and being a sign of judgment to them uh, to make yourself feel spiritual and good or prophecy. No, like these gifts are to uh, edify one another. So um, I would submit that actually, we should pursue spiritual gifts because if a gift of healing or a gift of prophecy is to edify the body, wouldn't it be right for me to desire that and go, Lord, I'm going to ask you for this gift. Again, not for my own well-being, uh, not so that I would look you know, great or wonderful, but it seems to be the logical flow of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Not that you aren't supposed to pursue spiritual gifts, but you are, in fact, to desire them for the mutual edification of the church. I would then probably connect is it Matthew 7 and Luke 11 sometimes i get those switched but uh, Matthew 7 and then Luke 11 there's that parable of uh you know go and you knock on the door of your neighbor right you know you ask and you ask and you ask uh the conclusion of that Luke 7 no Matthew 7:11 uh, i believe uh says you know won't here i got the verse pulled up here uh instead I mean, of just like butchering know, it know by Luke memory
3: 11, i think there's that
0: yeah. Matthew seven eleven, right? How much more will your father uh, uh, give good gifts to those who ask? Or Luke eleven thirteen, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So both in Matthew 7 and in Luke 11, if you pursue and you ask, he'll give you a good gift. The parallel passage to that in Luke says he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who who ask? So it, it seems as if even in that account, you're supposed to ask God for spiritual gifts and, and only good gifts come from God. So we should ask for those things. So anyway, I, I'm just curious if under those kinds of definitions and that terminology, if you'd be comfortable with Christians pursuing spiritual gifts, again, no. not as a, you don't speak in tongues, you need to speak in tongues, therefore pursue tongues, but to say, which is going to edify the body and to motivate, you know, be, be motivated for that by prayer.
3: No, here, here's the reason why. One... Um because I think that was that was the problem in the church. That was the problem that Paul is writing them because there's there's this division in the body at the Church of Corinth in his letter. He he's responding to apparently either one or two letters, I'm not sure, but he's responding to them and he's dealing with these issues of divisions. He talks about one says I'm of Apollos so and I'm a Paul and so forth. Are you just not you guys just being carnal men? Uh, then he talks about it as it relates to our relationships and and marriage and so forth. But then in 12, he says now concerning these, and this is where I, I always want to emphasize this, this word, the pneumaticone." Now concerning the spiritual things and we put in gifts, I don't have a problem with it being gifts, but but it actually is uh, the spiritual things, the things of the spirit. And I think that's what we have to push for to be the the things of the spirit. If we push for the gifts, well, you can't you can't strive for the gifts without naming the gift, the gift that you want, because number one, you can't get it anyway. It's up to it's up to the spirit to do so. But if I want to if I want a gift, well, huh? which gift do I want? Well, no coincidence here in America, we tend to go for certain gifts, Uh, tongues. Uh, prophecy, what have you? But but it's never the other gifts, the gifts that actually end up being more tangible in a person's life if those are actually used. And so Paul is making this point about it needs to be everything needs to be couched in love. And so pursue love. If you pursue love and desire the the pneumatico and desire the spiritual things, and then here's a the point, and I and I, I just wish that more um, people would would focus on this. Uh, there's a there's a point that that's made here in the Greek. And I've got a couple of buddies that are also Greek scholars. One of them actually did a did a, did a writing with um, Dr. Wallace. Uh, this issue here, this this he says, if if you all allow me to read, he says, uh, I'm sorry, Tane which is pursue the love, and then de Numatika," which is then uh, pursue the spiritual. But then there's this phrase that's used here, and you kind of see it in English, but you really see it in the Greek. He says, "Malon de Hina and it's henna is the purpose clause. The reason why we pursue these things in order to prophesy. And I think what's happened, especially over the last hundred years, the word prophesy has become something more or different than what it what it was meant to be. It's just, just a tale to inform, to give a revelation. And the majority of prophecy in the Bible is forth not foretelling. Not, the majority of prophecy in the Bible is not the Lord is going to do this. The majority of prophecy is stating what the Lord either has stated or has done. And so he says to do so in order that there be this revelation. That's how I'm taking this, because it it, it flows. Even the passage that you read about desiring someone. So he says, so therefore I say, seek uh, your persistence will show what well, you're not seeking. and He's not seeking anything in particular, but he will give him something. And so he says, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit? And I think that's the point. The, the goal to get or to, to have a greater relationship with is the Holy Spirit, not the particular gifts. If you have the Holy Spirit. And if you are in in great fellowship with the Lord, if you are drawing closer to him and then however he wants to move, because today it might be tongues, tomorrow it might be healing, tomorrow it might be this, it might be that, or it it might not be anything, but the deal is you are comfortable um, having the Holy Spirit. And however it shows up, if he shows up in some sort of gifting, but love, even if it's not a gifting, but let me put my arm around you and hug you. Uh, you need a few dollars here and there. Uh, let me pray for you. That's the issue, because what we saw with, with Paul, he's saying, listen, you guys are literally jockeying for the greater gifts, but he says, I'll show you what's more important. And then as he goes on 1 Corinthians 14, he says, and he doesn't tell that you're not saved. He says, since you are zealous for these things, he says, desire or or desire the gifting so that you may be the pneumaticum, in order that you would edify the body, but you don't determine what it's going to be, how it's going to be. Let the Lord do it if He wants to do it. The problem sure. I think, I'm sorry. Go
0: ahead. I, no, I was going to say I think I think we agree that that God is the one who sovereignly gives the gifts. But like you would say that interpretation is a gift of the Spirit, right? Yes. Yeah, but like He tells us to pray that we would interpret. So like mm-hmm. that's someone who's asking God for a gift, right?
3: No, because every time, like for example the interpretation just because it's used there doesn't mean that it's always used as a gift for example the same word that's used there in first corinthians 14 is also used obviously in first corinthians 12 um but paul is saying pray and i had this issue with uh with uh with, with dr brown and he said that's not the case i said no it actually is the case I went and looked it up and looked up and searched yeah it actually is the case the word that's used there is where we get the word hermeneutics so this so that you would explain that you would understand so if you're going to speak in these languages these tongues Paul is saying, pray that you would have explanation that you would understand. Just like we saw, even in, in uh, Acts two, we see an explanation. As a matter of fact, it's, it's the only gift that so far we only see it spoken of as far as I can tell how I look at it one time in scriptures in, act, in Acts two. Other than that, we never see it actually used. Matter of truth, be told, we only see tongues used a few times and only in Acts two do we actually hear or get an understanding of what's being stated. And so all of that is, whether it's in Acts 2, whether it's in, in 1 Corinthians, it is to bring about a building of the body, one bringing people to the body, and then those that are in the body, growing them in the Lord. And so that, that's what I think it, 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 it has to be that, it ha- for, as, far as, I, as far as I can see it. I don't think that we are to go and look for a specific gift, because one, that's what they were doing. That's what Paul is admonishing them on in 1 Corinthians 12. You guys, you're thinking that the, certain gifts are more honorable, more desirable And that's not the case. Oh, by the way, he's using the analogy of a body. My hand as wonderful. as I think about my hand. If this hand gets hurt, it can't do anything. It needs this hand. Or if my foot gets hurt, I need my other hands to come and help. And so all of the parts of the body, even those that are less honorable that we think are, in fact, honorable. And I think Paul's point is, guys, stop looking for the greater gift, the best gift. Just instead, instead of pursuing the gifts, pursue love and desire the the spirit. So
2: I'm going to push back uh, and I'm, okay. I'm thinking of the, the famous book that came out a while back called Love and Respect. And it was for a little while, it was all the rage, right? And uh, somebody wrote a meme that I thought was rather telling of what we do with these kinds of passages. Uh, it was Love and Respect, How to Build Your Marriage on a False Dichotomy. Uh, because the fact is, yes, men are supposed to love their wives, but that doesn't mean that women aren't supposed to love their husbands. And yes, women are supposed to respect their husbands, but that doesn't mean men are not supposed to respect their wives. And so in the same breath here, I I feel like we're creating a false dichotomy by saying, uh, pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts, when it says, and be eager for spiritual gifts. It's it's both. And it's not meant to say, this is the one you pursue, and this is the one you're to desire. It's meant to say, pursue and desire both. I, I just don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. And I think the other question, the, the question I have, though, is it seems like you're saying in First Corinthians 12, when it talks about the gift of interpretation, it, you're saying it's using a different Greek word in First Corinthians 14, where it says, pray that you may interpret. Is that correct? No, no, no. Same word. Same word. So then why wouldn't we draw from the context of the same topic? Why wouldn't we interpret it as a gift, since that's what's being used in First Corinthians 12, and it makes sense. One seems to need the other to work and be profitable for the church.
3: Well, it to interpret doesn't it, it may be a gift or it may not be a gift. You don't have to have a gift to interpret the word just in and of itself it just means to get understanding or to explain. And so Paul's point is you guys are saying things and you have no clue what you're saying. Is that the case? He poses a question in First Corinthians fourteen. And I'm trying to I'm trying to look at it while I'm while I move. But he poses a question that if you if you're speaking in the in these languages and you don't know what you're saying, his point is shouldn't you know? He says what what verse is this? I'm trying to find it on the fly. It says uh, therefore the one who speaks in a in a, in a tongue, uh, the singular tongue, pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So Paul's point is uh, this unfruitful point. That can't be good because Paul just opened up this whole issue about the pneumaticum. He opened up by saying, "I don't want you to be ignorant or un, or unknowing or, or unaware." And so, if, if we come back and we speak or pray in these this language, and we we don't know what we're saying. He says, "Wait a second! You don't know what you're saying. Your 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 mind is unfruitful." And so his solution is, "What then? Uh, I will pray in the spirit, and I will pray with my mind. No, a so I or no, I so I will know what I'm saying. I will also sing in the spirit. I will also sing with my mind. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit." How will the one who fills a place and the ungifted, which is one of my favorite words, by the way, is where we get the word idiot, uh, how will, uh, the, the place of the, of the idiot, uh,
0: to Stop amen. calling Miller that since he's so gifted. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, and look at this point, verse 17 he says, For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. And so, Paul's point is. I want people to be edified. Oh, by the way, I think you ought to be edified as well. I think now I, I might be wrong, but I, as far as I can see and my example would be uh, acts two, because the very same words that are used in terms of these gifts, in terms of these tongues, um, where it's either the two words glow and then laleo, it's used in acts two. It's used in first Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. It's also if you take the longer ending of Marcus using that as well. And so the same phrase that's that's used. Oh, by the way, if you look at the uh, the Septuagint, uh, going back to Isaiah twenty-eight that that Paul re- references later on in chapter fourteen, those same two words are there. So he's speaking of the same thing. And in that in that context, we see three. Because I I, I I recall you guys. I, I think I remember talking about this at one point. I think that you guys uh, brought up, and um, I'm not sure um, if it was you, Joshua, if it was uh alicia's husband or the other michael uh i can't remember but the, but the question was you know it, it might have been you josh you might have been you where you asked a question uh, why if 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 tongues are a language why interpretation why 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 do we need interpretation and i think i think just to kind of act as over there when it's happening someone is up speaking and i'll just use current language someone is speaking mandarin peter's over here speaking mandarin Uh, John is over here speaking French. Bartholomew is speaking German to the person that's hearing him in German. They know what Bartholomew is saying, but it's not just the speaker that's there. And it's not just those that he's speaking to that are hearing it. There are also others that are there that have that, that they speak English. They have no idea what's being stated. And so Peter gets up and he explains because that interpretation or explanation The 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 Arminia, which is not to be verbatim, say they said this exactly. But Peter gets up and says what they're all saying. Because I I I couldn't imagine him getting up and saying, "Well, Bartholomew said this, Peter said this, John said that." That is, I think what he's I think he's giving an explanation because they said that we hear them glorifying God. And then what does Peter do? He gets up and give glorification to God. He speaks about what Christ has done, and so he's going through litany to the to the to the uh, to the skeptics, the mockers. Uh, to those that end up being added to the church as well, as well as those people from the different languages uh, who are also hearing. And so I think in that case, we see it done perfectly. So in that case, the entirety of all those that are there, except for the mockers, the scoffers, everyone is edified. And in that way, the church is added to daily. And so we go back to Acts 14, Acts 14, first uh, Corinthians 14. Paul wants you to make sure that you know what you're saying. And the reason why I think it's important is because of how he opened up chapter 12. He says, "I don't want you to be ignorant." And he says, "No one speaking by the Spirit could ever say that Jesus is a curse." Well, why is he saying that? Apparently, someone is saying Jesus is a curse, but he just got through saying, "I don't want you being ignorant." And then he uses the word "laleo" or "lalontan." uh, Someone is speaking something, just like by the Spirit. You only by the Spirit can you say, um, "Can you can you bless the Lord?" Forget the exact word that he he used there. Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: uh, Except by the Spirit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we're we're probably at time where we we probably need to wrap up. I'd love to do a part two with you. I'd love to talk more about the gifts. I'd love to talk about deliverance stuff because that's stuff we haven't gotten into either. I feel like we've set some good ground floor, though, as far as Mm -hmm. like what this looks like in a discussion. Uh, I would typically just let the interview go on longer. But Michael Roundtree, he's like a pastor of a church and he's got like an elders meeting or something stupid to go to, uh, which I think is super (laughs) lame. Uh, But that's okay. Michael's wife can't Michael's wife. No, nope. Michael's uh, Alicia's husband. It's uh, what I meant to say. Uh, is going to have to bail on us. So what I'd like to do is maybe just kind of. Uh, toss it over to uh, Roundtree, maybe for some closing thoughts, Miller for some closing thoughts. And then again, I would love to get you back on, Corey, uh, to continue this discussion. Because again, hospitable, kind, some good pushback. Uh, I think that that we can uh, keep doing some more of these discussions. Uh, But Roundtree, since we've only heard from you twice in this interview, uh, give us some some kind of uh, highlights and clip notes (laughs) and some closing thoughts.
1: I I made sure it it was meaty and like 10 minutes long. But uh, (laughs) anyway... My closing thought is, Corey, I like you, man. Glad to have you on the show. And uh, I look forward to doing another show with you in the future.
3: Same here. Same but, here. But cool. we're gonna
1: have to have you on our show instead of vice versa, because yours is called Smart Christian. In the moment <laughs> we're not there, we get we come on your <laughs> as show. As long as we keep Miller with
0: down, us, literally. it's not we can't we're not qualified to be on the
1: show. You know what, Josh? I was gonna like self deprecate like all of us, but you just made it Miller.
0: <laughs> no, I just made it Miller. Poor guy uh Poor Miller. Miller do you have any closing <laughs> thoughts <laughs> deeply wounded
2: oh uh, no I just I hopefully this serves as an example of how we can charitably agree to disagree I actually love the, the pushback and uh yeah I'd like to do a second episode I want to touch on the idea of Christian demonization uh there was a number of thoughts I had and questions I was like man I'm not going to be able to get to th- this episode so hopefully in the future we can maybe make that the more more of the focus of the combo. yeah uh, but looking forward to that
0: yeah, Corey, tell us how people find you again. If they're like just now jumping into this part of the show, uh, where do they follow you on you know the, the YouTube's, the Gram, the Bookface, all that stuff?
3: Um, well, first of all, let me say this: smart Christians does not mean that we are smart. To be a smart Christian, you have to recognize <laughs> what you don't know. That's those are the only smart people. If you recognize that right. you don't know it, so. Everybody can be a smart Christian, but how you can find us. Um, I don't do a lot on Facebook, although we're supposed to be doing it because I've just been lazy about it. But you can come to the channel of uh, smart Christians. I was going to say smart org, which will, by the way, will be up in the next few days. I haven't told people on the channel that. But in the next few days, smartchristians.org org will be up or you just come to the channel, the YouTube channel. Uh, and then we have one where we're always looking at, at the, uh, the goofy, crazy stuff, which is smart Christians life. Uh, but those are the two ways that you can get in contact with me.
0: Fantastic. Well, Corey, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel bad that I've had to like kind of abruptly end it, but uh, if I don't, Michael will get excommunicated from his church because he's just, he's on he's on thin ice with his elders. That, so that's I'm how just it works. Uh, Late to another meeting. <laughs> is that how it done. works? If you miss two other meetings, you're cut.
1: <laughs> you're done, dude.
0: <laughs> you're done, man. Okay, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the channel, uh, hit that notification bell, but also subscribe to the newsletter that's in the description of this video. If you do that, you'll get notified with all of the new content, uh, man, I think early releases potentially of episodes that we have coming out for Christmas, uh, that we have been releasing already. So some really exciting stuff, uh, that only people in the newsletter actually have access to, which is really neat. Uh, but yeah, jump on there, uh, All the information for Patreon and other ways to support can be found in the newsletter. So go check out those two subscriptions. Subscribe, and we'll see you next Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. This Wednesday, we're talking about blessings and curses. Uh, That should be fun. You know, Charismatics talking about the blessed life. Uh, Anyway, guys, have a great week, and we will see you next time. Thank you, guys. I want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the